Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Have a special guest on here today okay we're going to talk about something different we're going to talk about how to target those customers we're going to talk about how to boost those sales and how to leverage data to provide organizations with those actionable insights all right you know we've talked about we 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 dive deep into things we go deep into ai supervised learning whatever it is and we talk about business right it's really important to understand the business aspect of things whether you're talking about data science, data analytics, right? You know, it's really important because data is leveraged everywhere. I promise you on everything. You knew that uh, when I talked to uh, Paula Tui for uh, uh, pharmaceutical stuff, right? You knew that when I talked to Peter Mensa for, uh, for, for CVS, right? Looking at pharmacy stuff there, looking at restaurants, you know, you knew that, right? Data is leveraged everywhere. I don't care where you are, you're making a data-driven decision. All right. Even if you're deciding to uh, to 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 look at whether I want some type of um, uh, cookout gear on your out on your balcony or something, right? Out out on your deck, right? You're sitting there looking up different data, right? You're always looking at data to be able to make that decision. So I want to introduce you all to Matt Ranta. Say hello, Matt. Hey, everybody. Uh, Bobby, thanks for having me on the show. I'm really excited to get to talk about this topic with you and looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah no, this is going to be exciting because a lot of times right, our audience, right, they, they, like I mentioned before during our, our pre-recording, we talk about how our audience, uh, they, they average, right? I mean, they, they range from what you, you, you could say novice, you mm-hmm. know, you could say CIOs, CTOs, right, you know, and then some of the advanced people out there. And so it's, it's definitely an honor to have you on the call because you have that business insight, right? You know, a lot of times we're not, we're not really focused on the business side of things. And honestly, that's what makes the money. You know, that's totally. what I say, you know, totally. yeah. uh, you can be a doer, but that business aspect of things is totally different. So uh, um, yeah. So Matt is the head of practice for digital transformation, e-commerce and strategy at Nimble Gravity. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about Nimble Gravity. Nimble Gravity is a consultancy specializing in data science, digital strategy, e-commerce, near shore engineering teams, analytics, and organizational strategy. All right. So Matt is very important to the company of Nimble. All right. And he's helping them make a lot of data-driven decisions. All right. So Matt, please tell me a little bit about yourself, man. Tell me your story. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, uh, you know, my story goes back quite a ways, about 24 years at this point that I've been doing uh, e-commerce stuff. So starting in 1998, I was working in e-commerce for a uh, consumer electronics and appliance retailer based out of the state of Montana called Vans Incorporated, Uh, not the shoes. It had two ends in the name. (laughs) So uh, that was a really cool company. And I worked my way up and eventually ran all the marketing there, both on the digital side as well as traditional. And then in uh, 2011, I made a move to Cricket Wireless, worked there for a while, moved on to Aero Electronics in 2014, 
and I oversaw digital marketing and operations for uh, that marketing for multiple websites in the aero electronics portfolio, uh, built a team of in-house folks, ran a paid search program that had more than 5 million keywords, worked with you know data scientists to create oh. all kinds of cool projects uh, there. And then I eventually took over the management of one of those websites, general management of verical.com. Uh, and they were a marketplace that uh, sold into 156 different countries uh, and had a huge, you know, billions of dollars, gross merchandise value, two and a half to three million SKUs, always doing pricing tests, all kinds of things there. And, you know, did that for quite a while. And then around 2019, I moved into mobile marketing and mobile ad tech. Uh, worked with a company uh, called Ad Action here in Colorado. Uh, did some great things there. And then, you know, in 2021, um, in, it was the month of October, I took the leap into consulting and I was a solo shop for a little while. And I kept bumping into all my buddies uh, at Nimble Gravity, uh, where we were working alongside each other on similar jobs. And it just made a lot of sense to, to join forces. And so uh, in January of 22, we, we uh, joined up and I became a part of Nimble Gravity. And now I'm using all that experience across B2B, B2C, D2C, whatever it might be, to help others drive meaningful growth in their you know, digital and e-commerce endeavors. Man, so that's an interesting story because what you have shown me just immediately is that experience matters, right? To be able to get to the point where you're at now and be uh, uh, such a vital part of this data-driven like culture right now that everybody's doing, right? You know, uh, you 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 mentioned that you work with data scientists years ago. You know, I mean, data scientists are really highlighted now, but you're you're in in my head. You're saying, man, look, I. I worked with data scientists years ago, so you understood the value of a data scientist, right? You totally. Know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I worked with a couple data scientists back at, at Vans, you know, in like 2010, and they weren't called data scientists. Then they were called business analysts, but we were doing things like regression analysis on, you know, our, our appliance sales and comparing that to housing starts, right? And understanding how housing starts had a high correlation to consumer electronics and, and appliance sales, because when those housing starts hit, right, and people are building new homes, they're going out and buying appliances for those and they're putting them in. And so we proved that correlation out and then we were able to help drive prediction of future revenues off of that regression analysis, right? So there's predictive analytics for you yeah. right there. Oh man, they did that, that's funny because I mean, this they they use the word, you know, data science, I always say a data science can be, can be you know, a mathematician, right? A programmer, yep. you know, it can be, it can be pretty much anybody, right? <laughs> you know, you're making these data driven decisions. You could possibly be a data scientist at heart. And um, I, I honestly didn't because of the generation that I grew up in, right? You know, it was a certain part in time, right? Where you heard about virtualization, you heard about uh, just storing the data, right? You know, you just heard about networking, right? That was all those things were pretty big and foundational, right? Cisco, Juniper, networking, uh, uh, different companies like NetApp and Oracle and all that stuff for, for databases and, and highlighting data uh, stores. Yeah. And then you got compute, right? You know, they, they just talked about those different areas. And then now you got the cloud. But for some reason, I never heard that data science, data, <laughs> data back, you know, it, it's been going on for years. So, so totally you, think, yeah. you know, and, and it's funny to me because 
you know, now we're, we're, we're really engulfed in this whole data science culture, right? You know, everybody's saying, use the data, make data-driven decisions, things like that, you know? And, and, and I wonder what the value of a data scientist will be now, right? You know, compared to back then, right? You know, uh, I mean, they, they had so much value and weight then. And yeah. if you knew what you, what you, you've been involved with that data sciences dating back to when you first started working in the industry, and you you knew about data scientists, right? Like you say, they were called business analysts, right? Yep. And uh, now they're bringing that term back, the business analysts. It's almost like Jordans or something, man. They're bringing it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Business analyst has kind of been morphed, right? Like you hear about them a lot when you're talking about product teams, people who are building software and things, right? And they're going out and they're doing analysis of what customers are saying, what they're wanting, and they're digging into data. Right. And, and trying to help use that to drive product decisions about what functionality are we going to add to a website or a software and, and yeah. make sure that that's informed by data and not informed by opinions, which is something at Nimble Gravity we really believe. Right. Data is yeah. greater than opinions always. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the crowd, the crowd out there that uses your product, your website, whatever it might be. Uh, the data that they provide back to you will guide you and give you everything you need to know. So. Right, right. It, it really helps like data. Uh, it helps you make those data driven decisions. But even if I was to make a decision without using the data, I can go back to the data and they can support my decision now. Right. Totally. You know? Right. And that's, and that's important too, right? A lot of people understand that, uh, that, you know, whichever way you take it right before or after, you know, if you use data, you know, you can actually support the decision that you're making and it probably holds more weight. Right. right. When, you, when you're making this decision, you say, look, man, look, I, I'm a CEO. I get it. But I, the data showed me this. OK, so so, you know, that's what that's what he is. Or, or is that even like a. Um, could it be used as a way out, right? To get you out of a situation that you made a bad decision? I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, the thing that's great about this digital world that we're in now in e-commerce and things like that is you very quickly are going to find out, right? And if you're, if you're using your web analytics and other things, it's going to provide that data to you about whatever that decision is in a very rapid manner, right? You don't have to wait weeks or months or whatever like you used to a long time ago. You're immediately going to start getting data. If yeah. you make a decision and all of a sudden you see your conversion rate tank or your average order value shrink or whatever, like, you know, you can immediately go, okay, bad decision. Let's reverse that and, and go mm -hmm. a different direction. Right. So, right, right, right. All right. So you mentioned Nimble. Yeah. Right. You know, that's the company that you're currently on. Your team is great. They're doing some great things. I definitely did a lot of research on it, man. And, uh, you know, I definitely uh, I want to applaud you and your team for doing the stuff that you are doing. Right. You know, um, I, I really want to highlight what what is gravity? Right. What is what is nimble gravity? Right. How are you all helping people make those uh, data driven decisions out there? Yeah. So the easiest way to say it is we're a consultancy that's passionate about the power of data. And we work across multiple fronts. We work in data science, e-commerce, digital transformation, uh, analytics, uh, engineering, and then strategy, both management and organizational. And we apply data across all fronts of that in, in what we're doing. Uh, it could be that we're working as, you know, kind of a fractional C-level expert or that we're performing an audit of any of those disciplines. 
We could be helping out private equity with due diligence. Uh, we could be actually building a, you know, a software solution that's going to get handed over to a business and helping them build out and run the teams that might continue to develop that, uh, anything like that. But some great examples of that are, you know, running an A-B testing team inside of an organization on their behalf mm -hmm. and working with their analytics platform, platforms like Optimizely, platforms like Full Story, and doing hundreds of A-B tests and understanding how those are constantly impacting their revenue, their conversion rates, their average order values, and just constantly iterating on that and kind of helping to teach and imbue that organization with the power of data, right? And, and have them understand that and prove it out to them and say, this change was better than that change. This option was better than these other two options. This is the way to go. And you iteratively are building on top of that. So, uh, and it, it could turn into, you know, uh, something like, uh, e-commerce, right? Help mm -hmm. help launch a brand new e-commerce brand. Okay, we'll go out and study the market of what they think their competitors are going to be. What are they making? Are they making athleisure wear for middle-aged men, or are they making you know swimsuits for a younger generation? Who mm -hmm. are the competitors in that space? What does the data say about how many visitors they're getting? What does the data say about how much marketing dollars they're spending? What are you going to need to spend to be competitive? And then once you have that framework of how you might launch something, you immediately start doing exactly what we were just talking about, where you go back and you say, the data for us is proving that even though Instagram was fantastic for XYZ brand, it's not driving our type of customer. Our type of customer is actually coming off of Facebook, right? And then you can just kind of move and tailor things as you need to the board. So we're doing all kinds of stuff at, at Nimble Gravity. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I think what makes us stand out is that we're actual true veteran operators of businesses, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. I talked about my background and how much experience I have in e-commerce. And if you talk to the guys that do data science or the guys that do our engineering teams or whatever, they have similar or even, you know, longer tenures in actual big businesses driving that kind of operation. And then we're coupled with teams that are ready and able to execute on the strategies that we are recommending or the solutions we're defining. So that's us. No, that's amazing, man. Because uh, Matt, when you, when you mentioned that, it's a couple of things I, I, that captured me, right? You know, when you think about um, you, one of the things you mentioned was basically understanding your domain, mm -hmm. right? You know, because, um, and it, man, this can go so deep, right, audience, because when, I, when you think about understanding your domain, you said that data scientists, they have worked in this e-commerce space, right? You have worked in this totally. e-commerce space, right? You know, no matter the field you're in, you're so valuable when you know that field, right? You know, I'd rather, uh, I understand football to a T, right? I played the game since I was seven years old. Yep. And if I'm a data scientist, right, and I really love using data and making data-driven decisions, right? From a football standpoint, that should probably go into that field, right? I'd probably be more viable there than maybe the healthcare industry, not unless right. I have really studied the healthcare industry, right? You know, if I study e-commerce, then I'll be great, a great data scientist in e-commerce if I've done it for years, right? And so that even goes back to this whole explainable AI thing, you know, or being able to do trusted AI or 
or being able to understand the decisions that are made, the bias stuff that comes out of some of these AI tools that is out yeah. there, right? Yeah. You know, the the data that is pre- presented into those tools, um, it can be biased or not, but you need to have diverse people that are presenting that data. You need to have people that understand that domain, right? You know, if I sit there and I um, am really deep into healthcare and I try to get into finance, all right. And I probably could be as a domain owner, a person that's that's collecting the data that's out there looking at the data. I probably could present more biased results if I don't understand the mission, if I don't understand that e-commerce space or I don't understand the, the financial space. Right. You know, would you say that, that that's like a viable thing where right? understanding your domain is important and expert expertise is important in that domain? I, I do think it's important. Yeah, I think you can augment uh, somebody who maybe has less experience in a particular domain by having them partner with folks that do, right? And those folks don't even have to be data scientists, right? You can have two people work together where a data scientist can say, hey, you know, the findings coming out of our model or our study or whatever are pointing towards these products being popular, these products being laggards, what, whatever it might be. And, and then you can say, why is that to, ah. to the person? You can just have a, a sense of curiosity. And I think that for any scientist, I don't care if you're a data scientist, if you're a chemist, if you're a mm-hmm. physicist, whatever it is, curiosity is a key trait, right? Mm-hmm. That you have to have. And so if you have somebody who's curious and who's asking questions and who's trying to understand what's going on and you're partnering them with another expert, I think that they can also do a very, very good job because you're going to be hard pressed, I believe, to find highly experienced, deeply tenured data scientists or whatever it might be in every single field. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's I think that's sometimes, you know, something that you get um people wrapped up in when they're hiring right whatever whatever it might be i've got to hire somebody who's been doing exactly you know selling tires online (laughs) for five to seven years to fill this director of e-commerce for my tire shop uh Mm -hmm. and do you do they really need tires can they just have you know had some more general experience probably can you teach them yes absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) no that's a great point you know and and the other thing i wanted to mention uh when you were talking about social media right uh what you all are doing is so important is is very important because uh it's it's something i even thought about several uh, years ago uh why would i go on instagram if my platform of what I'm trying to, or my products I'm trying to sell, it doesn't meet that audience, that avatar, right, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, versus Facebook. Maybe they they may really love what I do, right, or somebody like Chick-fil-A, right, huge brand that's out there. They literally uh, advertise specific things on Facebook because the audience is different compared to Instagram, right, totally. you know, it's, it's so amazing to me. So what you're doing is something uh, that is very unique in my eyes, right? You know, do you see that? Do you see customers where you where where they may have to promote something on one platform, totally different on another platform, just because of the avatar? 
I see it all the time, honestly, right? And I actually think that it's 100% what everybody should be doing. Mm. I, I don't think that generalized offers across every channel are the, are the way to go at all. I mm. think highly specialized targeted offers at various groups that you know are high converting that you've studied your data for and you've found are, are where you should be targeting and going after all your marketing campaigns and efforts, right? Do you know, based on studying your data and your analytics, that visitors who came to you from one platform convert at X rate and buy a particular product set versus people who came to you off of a competitive platform don't even look at those same products. They're of a different age group. They have a different voice messaging that they want to hear all these kinds of things. And you literally can understand all of those things through testing and, mm -hmm. and getting into your analytics. And then you can start to put out campaigns, ads, messaging that are specialized for those groups on those channels. And I would bet you every time that you're going to see greater performance than if it's just a general offer every single time. Man, I mean, that was so insightful. So do you see at Nimble, do you see yourself once you work with a customer, is it an ongoing thing? Are you on, uh, continuously analyzing the data even after you help them make this great data-driven decision? Is that something that you recommend or that's something that you uh, continue to do with the customers? Yeah, it, it can vary by engagement, right? In some instances, uh, we will create something, a solution, um, turn it over to the, the organization, train them how to use it, uh, and, and kind of let go, right? Like, it, mm -hmm. it, you know, take the training wheels off and send somebody off down the road on, on their new bike. Mm -hmm. um, and then it might be that, hey, now I want to go do bike racing it's a couple of years later. And, I, mm -hmm. can, you know, can you help me out? Because that's a little bit more specialized and I need some, you know, additional training. So mm -hmm. it can be a scenario like that where there's kind of an initial engagement and then somebody comes back after a while or maybe they just go off and ride their bike and that's great. Uh, or it can be that kind of ongoing engagement where maybe we're we're working as an embedded team within their organization and we're constantly helping to educate them and helping to move the for the business forward. So uh, we do it all. Yeah. Man, man, man. You definitely audience, you definitely have to check out Nimble. You know, I mean I would, right? And I probably will. I probably will recommend my own company, right? Because you all range from small companies to big companies as well, right? We do, yeah. We work with everybody from startups to folks that are doing billions in revenue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I work for NetApp right now, and something like that would be very valuable uh, uh, to their organization for sure. You know, so okay, I want to dive into a little bit. You on the website, right? You all talk about predictive and prescriptive analytics, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the audience really doesn't understand. They don't understand the difference and how they are used to make some of those better uh, data-driven decisions, right? You know, in your words, what, what would you uh, uh, say the difference is between the pre predictive and the prescriptive analytics? 
predictive is, you know, what's going to happen in the future and trying to take an educated guess at that through things like that regression analysis that we were talking about earlier and, and the correlation to housing starts. And so you can see that housing starts are going to be a leading indicator, right? There's something that happens before the purchase of the appliances might happen. And so you can use how many housing starts are going on right now to tell you how many appliance sales are going to happen in the future. Right. So that's a way of predicting things. Right. And prescriptive is much more like, what should we do next? Uh, yeah. Prescriptive fits in really well with things like lead scoring or with customer segmentation, behavior modeling, these kinds of things where you can say, hey, for people who have done these five activities on our website, whether it's B2B or B2C, I want to give them this message. I think they're highly likely to convert and I'm going to put them into a different bucket of people that I'm talking to than my general audience. Right. And, and mm -hmm. those are the, those are the differences in my mind that are kind of easy to, to understand and grasp. No, that was amazing because I just, I, I mean, based off of that, right, if I could summarize that, I, I truly uh, think that, that the predictive analytics is more of that potential future outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. You would say, and then the prescriptive analytics helps you draw the specific recommendations that are out there and stuff, right? Totally. You know, so that was a great point. And when you mentioned lead scoring, right, I definitely want to touch on lead scoring and customer targeting because, um, you know, we talked about this in the, in, in the, in the, in the conversation before the, the interview. And um, one thing with customer targeting, right, that captured me was like Amazon. I go yeah. on Amazon and, uh, I'm sitting there trying to purchase an item. They say, well, it seems like you would like this too, right? We recommend right. this, right? right? Uh, and it blew my mind when I first heard it. It was saw it years ago, right? Like, wow, how did you know that I would like that? I wouldn't yeah. really like that, right? You know? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so how are you all dealing with the customer targeting and lead scoring out there? Sure, yeah. I mean, uh, huge topic. We could probably talk about that for like 20 shows. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, from like a personalization kind of behavioral targeting standpoint, there's tons of platforms out there, right? And uh, you can go and find lots of great software that'll help you drive that kind of recommendation off of your site. And what happens is you have to install one of those and then go through a tuning period, right? Where it's reading the data, it's understanding their algorithms are working and they're kind of figuring out things like, hey, 85% of people who bought product X also bought product Y. When mm. somebody comes in and looks at product X, let's recommend that they might also like product Y, right? Mm. And, and they're just very simply, that's kind of what's going on and, and, and that's happening. And I think that's happening more and more frequently. And it's not just being applied to those kind of recommended product boxes or, or things like that, right? It starts to actually get into what images are you seeing on the website, okay? Uh -huh. So did, did somebody come in and they gave us an indication that they're a female shopper, right? Because they looked at female clothing. Next time uh -huh. that visitor hits our homepage, let's put an image on our hero graphic that's female oriented right? Mm -hmm. Or that's male oriented, or that is some demographic category oriented, right? right? 
And that can change over time too, right? Like, oh, this person started looking at baby products. Let's put up, you know, babies. Uh, this person started right. looking at pet products. Let's throw pets in there. Whatever it can be can happen. And then that trickles down into things like email targeting. And it can even go off if you're using a platform like a customer data platform where you can send that information off into your universe of marketing partners, it can start to happen that you're getting those tailored ads and those tailored ad experiences on places like Instagram, Facebook, et cetera. And then, you know, you brought up lead scoring to huge uh, thing. And typically people think of that as a B2B kind of approach. And the first one is a B2C kind of approach. What I'm going to tell you is that they they can both be used in, in both places, right? Mm -hmm. So lead scoring doesn't just have to be about, you know, which of my business customers am I going to close and the likelihood to do that. You can use lead scoring to do consumer behaviors of the same kind of thing that we were talking about. And then you just serve them something like a different pop-up on the website, a different promotional mm -hmm. offer, whatever it might be, right? But Lead scoring gets into that great kind of um, prescriptive analytics uh, area that we were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. What you do is you narrow that down to, you know, let's say five-ish, a handful of things that you want to indicate are, are high indicators of a converting customer for you and whatever a conversion means, right? Are they going to sign a contract? Are they going to buy a soccer ball? Uh, whatever it might be. And it can be things like, which product pages did they visit? Which uh, white paper pages did they visit? Did they download something? Did they open one of the emails that we sent to them? Did they go and interact with some of our marketing messaging on another channel? Which channel did they come to us from? Are people more likely to buy that came to us from YouTube than ones that are that came to us from WhatsApp? Okay, right. great. You can start to score all those things and you can give somebody just points behind the scenes that says, okay, well, Bobby's a 95 and Matt's only a 60 on this product category or ability to convert or whatever it might be. And then easily kind of send messaging to them, uh, promote different offers to them send them an entirely different series of email uh, interactions, whatever it might be. So lots of fun stuff going on there. No, man, that, that's amazing because uh, a lot of people don't understand the curiosity that you just presented, right? The mm -hmm. why, what you're, you're just constantly asking questions uh, throughout the process. And you're constantly like, just, just trying to be curious, trying to figure out the why, you know, totally. it's, it's almost like you keep asking why, <laughs> no matter what, right, throughout the entire yeah. process. And this is how you kind of boost sales, right? It was interesting to me, you know, some of the the, the things that you said as far as, you know, the, the gender differences, right? You know, sure. we're talking about maybe the male versus female or even uh, um, I'm pretty sure it can, it can even get down to, right, um, the, the phone that you're using, right? You know, totally. you using iPhone versus Android stuff, right? You know, yep. am I getting more of that versus the other, right? And then you kind of want to sway more towards the other, right? It helps boost your sales. It probably helps you be more efficient, you know? So that was definitely amazing. I mean, you're getting the most out of the current customers and even you're, you're, you're figuring out how to bring back, right? Some of the customers that were 
that were there before they already purchased. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, cause it totally extends into that retention or that remarketing kind of aspect of things, right? Like, and it goes back to those suggested products, you know, how can, how can we know what we should tell somebody they should look at next? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, what's the likelihood of somebody to be a repeat purchaser? What's the timeline for that? Mm -hmm. Right. So, uh, that's a great thing to understand, right? Uh, what's the what's the number of days it takes for eighty five percent of your customers to repurchase, right? Do they do it in thirty days? Do they do it in ninety? Is it one hundred and twenty two? Is it four hundred and sixty seven, right? And then you can start to do things off of that data point, right? You can go, oh. Listen, there's a whole group of people that are five days away from reaching this milestone that we know uh, customers typically have repurchased by that haven't rebought. We need to send them a message right now today and encourage them to buy and let's give them a discount. Go. Man. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it's almost like it's uh, it can be overwhelming, you know, to to some people sometimes because. Uh, you, I'm pretty sure you meet a lot of customers where they don't even know where to start, right? They're collecting so much data and they're like, I don't even know how to ask the right questions. I don't know where to start, right? And so what you all are doing is, is some really great things and nimble. And I really appreciate it from a data standpoint. I know the audience appreciate it from people that are really trying to figure out why is data important all the way to the advanced people that are out there and they're saying, man, you know, that, that's a, they, they may be even able to use those data points that you just mentioned, right. You know, right. within their, their products and stuff. And so I really appreciate you being on. And at the end, the audience usually, they love the, the summarization, right. And, and what I've learned today in this podcast is that data analytics doesn't just help you sell more effectively to those potential customers, right? It can also change how you upsell, cross-sell, you know, to your existing customers, right? And yeah. I'm, 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 I can probably highlight everything I've learned on here because, you know, curiosity is key, right? As yes. the why, right? You know, it, it does help to make those data-driven decisions, but, you know, understanding how and the why, the why is important, right? I think I, I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine, um, who's also a data scientist. And we talked about how, man, you got to learn this Python, the statistics, right? The, you have to learn all this technical stuff, right? But I, I could really Google and, and nowadays, right? And figure out how to implement a lot of those things and become really good at it if I don't mm -hmm. have an answer. But the curiosity is something that is probably more important than even understanding those skill sets because uh, a lot of times, Understanding the why is something that's unique. A lot of that's totally. where the data scientist comes in. They understand the why. They're asking those curious, curious questions, you know. So you you are doing a great, a tremendous job out there. The company is, you know, you're leveraging data uh, with things such as like customer uh, uh, recency, right? Frequency, monetization. So yeah. is there is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? I, you know, I think you, you said a lot of them, but I, I would say... Get out there and be curious, ask questions, mm -hmm. use the data at your disposal to find the answer, right? Like get into your analytics platforms, get into your sales histories, these kinds of things. And, you know, there is that kind of overwhelming, where do we start? But I would encourage you to just get started, like pick something that stands out to you 
that you're curious about and interested about? Like, hey, why do like if you're a, a global business, why do people from Germany convert at a way lower rate than other um, of our international customers? What's going on there? Why is that happening? And then just dig into that, right? Like, or if that's not interesting to you at all, figure out something like. Hey, what happens if we um, change this imagery on the homepage or we rearrange the way things look, right? Just get out there yeah. and be curious and go for it. Uh, don't be afraid. So, all right, all right. No, no, great advice, man. Great advice. Now it's time to have a little bit of fun. All right. Uh, the, the, the audience really loves this game. It's called Overrated, Underrated. All right. I play with my guests. And um, I, I got this game from a motivational speaker that I follow. His name is Gary V. So shout out to Gary V. And um, and and really, you get a chance to decide whether you think these topics that I'm going to present to you are overrated, underrated, or right where it needs to be. And then you can actually explain your answer if you want or not. But uh, it, it allows the audience to know that we're not just geeking it out all the time in our business. Perfect. Centers, you know, uh, we do care about things like cheese, right? We do care about I don't know. We, 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 we have an opinion about bicycles or, or, uh, or, or skiing or something like that. Right. So are you ready to go? Let's do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. Right. The first one is hockey. Hockey. I'm going to say underrated. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. It, it depends on who's like the true hockey fans and things like that. Are you a true hockey fan? You know, I wouldn't call myself a true hockey fan. I, I love a, a good game. Uh, I, I actually like Olympic and college hockey a little bit better because of the larger ice, right? And I, I think it's a lot of fun. And quite honestly, to me, it has a lot of similarities to soccer, uh, especially indoor soccer and the way that you strategically have to move your team up and down the ice or the field, right? And I play soccer and love it. So that's oh, why I would, that's why I would vote. Yeah. And all that stuff. I am, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Definitely. Definitely. Me too. Um, all right. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Ooh. Um, underrated. Underrated. <laughs> yeah. Like there's nothing like a good one, right? Right. Like, like, like you got some really good soft like bread and some good peanut butter and whatever your favorite jelly is, and like <laughs> that thing will hit like nothing else, right? Like, and it'll it'll surprise you too. You'll be like, I haven't had one of these in years, and man, it's amazing. So. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I tried to introduce my uh, my son to peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like when he was a little younger, yeah. and he was like, "Ill, this is this is nasty, right?" And <laughs> it, it, it hurt my heart because it's something I grew up on sometimes, right? You know, just to figure yeah. stomach, you know, transition from the grape jelly to the to the strawberry jelly, you yeah. know. I, it's like I, yeah. I just was, would do that from time to time, you know. But now he loves them, so he loves good. Them. They have the uh, what is it called? Uncrustables. So they you yeah. can do that as well, you know. Um, all right, snowboarding. Ooh. Um, even though I am a snowboarder, I'm gonna say overrated, right? Oh. Like, and and here's why it, it became like um it became like this trendy thing to do, not like mm -hmm. not like I really love that. I want to do it. I was a skateboarder. I, you know, I surfed, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, and it, it all of a sudden is like, you know, it, I think it's just like the trendy thing to do. And I think a lot of people get frustrated and don't enjoy it and wind up giving up because of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So you think it, I guess they're doing it just because it's, it's a cool thing to do. Right. You know, yeah. versus really enjoying it. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, try, try it all out. 
and and pick whatever suits you best. Don't just yeah. go for the trendy thing. Yeah. So. What would you choose, skiing or snowboarding? Well, I've done both, right? So, like, I started skiing, and I, you know, snowboarding started to come uh, to popularity when I was in junior high, middle school. Uh, and I switched at that point in time and I still actually even go back to skiing sometimes. Um, but you know, prefer snowboarding. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right. Coffee. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go overrated again. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's what I'm doing out there, man. That's yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to go overrated. And here's, here's why, because it's become like, it's become this thing where it's like pods, pour over, you know, mm -hmm. niche coffees, like um, so many shops everywhere. Like there's literally shops that are like two doors apart on streets. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, how <laughs> many true. of these places can there be? How many different ways to prepare and serve coffee can there be? Like, I know people that get so into it that they're like weighing their coffee. They're, they're measuring uh, exact, you know, perfect amounts of water doing like timed pour overs, all these kinds of things. And it's just like, it's too much. I just need some caffeine. Like I want it to be kind of tasty and, mm -hmm. and good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the last time I tried coffee was when I was like 10 years old Yeah, <laughs> and my dad uh, had, he used to drink coffee all the time. Right. And he actually had coffee inside the car one time and he went out, uh, to he went back to the car because he left something right. Say so he left his keys or something, and I said, "Man, he drinks it all the time. Let me taste it and let's be good." Right. And so, <laughs> so I tried it and I spit it out all over the car <laughs> because it was too hot. Right. <laughs> Not even because it, but he used to just drink just plain coffee, like black and white coffee, right, right. right. Nothing, nothing in it. And so people would tell me, "Man, you got to trace it." taste coffee with something in it right you know actually put right something in it, you know and i said no 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 i've been painted i don't want to do it again you know so <laughs> all right popcorn Ooh, I, i'm gonna go with just it's it's in the right place it's yeah right where it needs to be i agree yeah. sometimes it it hits right and sometimes i'm like man i overdo it and i don't, I don't know like it can be too buttery sometimes sometimes it can be just right and it, they have caramel popcorn now. I, I feel like it's like the Power Rangers, right? You know, it's like they're getting, it's just so many <laughs> all different the flavors, yeah. right? All the flavors and stuff, you know. But uh, I love it. All right. Uh, I don't know if you've been here before the Rocky Mountains, being from Colorado. Yeah, love the Rocky Mountains. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody they're overrated. Uh, don't come visit them. Uh, they're they're not exciting at all. There's nothing what? fun to do in them. And I'm totally lying right now because I, <laughs> I want them to myself. No, yeah, yeah, you want them to yourself. They're fantastic, right? Like, I mean, it, you can't overrate them. Um, mm -hmm. And it, to call them underrated, I think, would be a, you know a disservice. Uh, but if you haven't been, you should come and visit and you know, do some activity in the Rocky mountains somewhere because they're amazing. Right. 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 Oh, I definitely got to do that then. I've been to Aurora, Aurora, Colorado, plenty okay. of time working, yep. um, but I never get a chance to experience too many things. Right. You know, I, I went to the Denver, um, the Broncos. Are you a Broncos fan? If you're yeah, I I'm a weird individual. I love soccer. It's really the only sport I follow. I do not okay. follow football. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, is it is it true? Like, is it is it really intense up there as far as the breathing and stuff up there? 
Yeah, so it's super difficult um, when you change altitude from an athletic perspective, uh, especially if you're coming, you know, like all the way from sea level or really low, uh, it, mm -hmm. it hits you. You have to hydrate. Um, you have, you know, less oxygen in your blood uh, than you normally would uh, mm -hmm. when you're transitioning like that. And it's it's tough, right? It's, it's why uh, the Olympic Training Centers in Colorado Springs and why so many um, different teams come to Colorado to, to train at altitude. Like, it helps. Mm -hmm. yeah. Man, man, man. Okay. So, uh, so all athletes, just let you know, I mean, I guess Deion Sanders, he's going to University of Colorado now. So, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody that goes there, just make sure you, you, you get your breathing up, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Last one, the Colorado River. The Colorado River. Um, I am going to go with just where it needs to be. Uh, okay. from like an overrated, underrated standpoint. Um, yeah, I'll stick with that. Okay. All right, cool. Well, look, Matt, I really appreciate you being on. You've given a lot of insight, you know, definitely team check out nimble, uh, audience definitely understand that you can reach Matt, you know, at, at, at probably different places, but you know, Matt, where, where's the best place they can reach you at? Easiest place is LinkedIn, uh, just the LinkedIn profile plus my name. So, uh, go there, uh, or they can come to the Nimble Gravity website, nimblegravity.com. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, look, audience, thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host again, Dapper Data. I love you all. You can reach me at Mr. Dapper Data on any one of the social media platforms, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you name it. Uh, and definitely check out my book at www.mrdapperdata.com forward slash Dapper Book. And check me out on YouTube, right? Definitely subscribe when you when you listen into the podcast on YouTube. I know you all like the audio version, uh, but definitely check out the the video, right? Because we have some pretty faces on here, right? We got some handsome faces, we got some 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 beautiful faces out here. So definitely look at us, man. You you want to see us? We show we're showing action. We're not just uh, doing things like uh, 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 just audio all the time, you know. So definitely check it out, you know, um, on www youtube.com forward slash at uh, dapper data all right love you all peace next time thank you for listening to the data is my science podcast the show that makes data your passion with your host dapper data